Hello and welcome back to the official Sasta podcast with me, Harry Stebbings, at hstebbings1996 with two Bs on Instagram, and I'd love to welcome you behind the scenes there. But as you all know, I'm a bit of a Sass nerd, and there's nothing I love more than a new take or methodology on an existing process or way we work in Sass. And I was chatting to this guest the other day, and he mentioned the term account-based collaboration. And being the Sass nerd I am, I wanted to jump on it and make an awesome episode out of it, and how to utilize this method in your organization. And so I'm thrilled to welcome back Dan Wright. Dan is the founder and CEO at Troops.ai, the startup that is the ultimate slackbox for sales teams. To date, Dan has raised over $17 million in VC funding with Troops from many friends of the show, including Felicis Ventures, Founder Collective, First Round, NextView, Sousa Ventures, and even Slack. As for Dan, he's also the co-founder and president of Tula, a private equity-backed health and beauty business that's developed the world's first line of probiotic skincare products. Before that, Dan was the co-founder of Spinback, which was acquired by Buddy Media in 2011, and then acquired by Salesforce in June 2012. Huge thanks though I do have to say to David Beisel at NextView for the original intro to Dan today. I really do so appreciate that. But before we dive into the show with Dan today, every week we talk briefly to a WePay customer about how they achieve success and this time we'll hear from David J, founder at Agree.com. Agree.com provides attorney approved contracts and payments for businesses and creatives. Smart creatives and businesses use Agree.com to make their business serve their life, not the other way around. Hi Harry. Thanks for having me. When I was 16 years old, my dad sat me down and gave me the best advice. He said, build your business around helping other people and you'll always have plenty of work. So the more that we listen to our customers and can feel their pain, the better we're able to understand them empathize with them, and then create solutions that meet their needs. Could not agree with you more, David, there on the customer centricity and loved hearing that. Focusing on customer needs and solutions is a great way to achieve success for sure. And to find out how to successfully grow payments revenue by over 100% in a year, check out our TeamSnap case study by visiting wepay.com forward slash Harry. That's wepay.com forward slash Harry. And speaking of great products, we are about to hear from the man behind this one, but my mother always told me you can never have too much of a good thing. And so, troops.com AI helps teams improve real-time visibility and collaboration around their most important deals by creating real-time intelligent workflow for everything related to their customers and prospects. And they make this happen in Slack, where everyone is spending most of their time so that the entire team can swarm around opportunities. But don't take my word for how great Troops is. Just look at their clients. They're working with the likes of Slack, WeWork, Envision, Flexport, and more. So head over to Troops.ai to find out more. And speaking of great products that make your life and work easier and faster, you must check out Pilot. Pilot is a bookkeeping company that handles everything for you, so you can stop spending your time tracking financial statements and making cash flow spreadsheets. We all know how much I love to do that. When you use Pilot, you get a dedicated account manager who takes care of your books and sends you an accurate, detailed financial report every month. Plus, Pilot does accrual basis bookkeeping and QuickBooks online, so you're never locked into a proprietary platform. Add Pilot to your financial stack and get back to what you do best, running your business. Simply head over to pilot.com forward slash sasta to learn more. But that's enough of me, so now I'm delighted to hand over to Dan Reich, founder and CEO at troops.ai. Good, that's perfect. Okay, I think we're warmed up. Dan, it is absolutely fantastic to have you back on the show for what I know will be a very special round two. So thank you so much for joining my dulcet British tones again. Thanks, Harry. Great to be back. I would though love to kick off. And for those that maybe didn't hear our first episode, Dan, how did you make your foray into what I know to be the wonderful world of SaaS? And what was the founding moment for you with Troops? I've spent my whole life doing startups. The last software company I started, we basically helped online brands and retailers measure how much money they were making from social networking sites like Facebook. We ended up merging that company 
company with another business called Buddy Media and then ended up selling that to Salesforce. And through that experience and my previous experiences and, and that of my co-founders, we all came to appreciate the value and importance of what we know to be CRM, customer relationship management. We also came to realize just how painful it was to use those types of tools to run your business effectively. We, we felt that everyone looked and felt like a data monkey when instead they should have been driving revenue and customer relationships. So we felt that that needed a change. And so we took a step back and thought about the problem more holistically and asked the question, what if you could engage with this data and information much like you would engage with a buddy over text messaging? What if you could literally chat with your CRM and do so in a, in a more appropriate medium of messaging? So that was really the question and genesis behind Troops. I do want to start this day, and we've been lucky enough to spend some time together and chat a little more in between last show and this show. And when we've chatted before, you said to me about the rise of team operating systems and, and a really interesting one for me being account-based collaboration. I do want to start on some nomenclature then, really. What do you mean when you say account-based collaboration and team operating systems? Yeah, sure. So if you think about the past few decades of sort of innovation and technology, it's generally been oriented around the individual for productivity and applications. And if we fast forward to today, I don't know what your Chrome browser looks like, but now we've got 40 different tabs, 40 different pointed solutions for 40 different things, all stitched together with email, which honestly feels a lot like a to-do list that other people control for me. And it's kind of gotten out of hand. And now if you look at a company like Slack, which is you know the fastest growing business application in the enterprise literally ever, this is where people prefer to spend time and get work done and collaborate. And the reason it's, it's more real time, it's frictionless, it's more delightful. And what's happening now is, in fact, we did research earlier this year of the companies using these mediums, about 70% of those companies are now creating channels specifically dedicated to managing prospects, customers, accounts, opportunities. And this is really now the place where account-based collaboration is happening. It's the place where people are coordinating, not just within sales and marketing organizations, but literally across the whole organization, product, engineering, executives, in order to drive growth and revenue and customer experiences for their partners. And this is really changing how people institutionalize processes at organizations. It's super funny, actually. I couldn't agree with you more in terms of the integration of accounts. Actually, at the fund here, we, we create kind of separate channels for each portfolio company, which kind of one could label as an account in our industry, so to speak. So that's super interesting to hear. I do have to ask, though, making the move from personal productivity to kind of account-based collaboration, two elements really kind of strike me. In terms of defining what success looks like, how does this change when considering quite a big shift, really, from moving from personal productivity to this account-based collaboration method? Yeah, you know, it's a great question. If you think email is the best last form of communication, then this whole conversation is a moot point. But really what we're seeing happening now is that more collaboration and teamwork up front in a process for customer acquisition or account management just drives better results. So for us at Troops, we have customers that use us to really work on lead management, pipeline management, forecast management. And by bringing it into this new medium with your whole organization, we actually see an increase in ROI. So increase in forecast accuracy, increase in lead work rate, increase in data compliance and updates back into Salesforce and your CRM, et cetera, et cetera. So the whole business metrics just increase by making it more real-time, frictionless, and collaborative. Uh, you mentioned kind of the word metrics there. And whenever I hear metrics, I kind of immediately think to kind of tracking and analyzing. And it's relatively easy to say in the world of personal productivity with the plethora of tools and options we have. As a single stakeholder, how does this change though when recognizing now with account-based collaboration 
collaboration, there are multiple stakeholders. And how should we then think about monitoring the performance, so to speak, of account-based collaboration? Yeah, so when you think about performance or, or measurement or as a manager, you're really thinking about, we're really as a CEO, you're always, in my mind, you're thinking about sort of three things as, as a founder CEO. So you're thinking about cash, culture, vision as the kind of key metrics for driving health of an organization. So when we think about cash, right, cash has to do with the health of the company. But how do you know the health of the company? So ideally, you buy something to manage all of this information in an organization, right? We know that category to be CRM. We know Salesforce to be the leader. But as you also know, within organizations, it's like garbage in, garbage out. If you don't have the right information at your fingertips, then you don't have accurate reporting. You don't have the right KPIs. You don't have the right information to do things like hiring, do things like decision-making, can't have shareholder meetings, can't have investor meetings. And so what quickly happens is in order to drive those right KPIs, you first need to know what's real. So you end up having heavy, managerial, boring meetings where you're just trying to wrap your head around like literally what's happening with the company. So, you know, step one is just alignment and visibility to those KPIs. I would say that the second thing is you need a great culture to drive the right outcomes. And so what is a great culture? Well, you want happy, productive, motivated employees. And so if you're, in this example, a salesperson, how many salespeople do you know are happy acting like a data monkey, updating fields, forms, buttons, and boxes? And so if you can create happier customers with better tools, so they're more productive and they feel like work isn't just work, you'll also see better outcomes, which will drive those KPIs. And then lastly, alignment, huge thing. You know, you talk, your companies talk about alignment and culture all the time, but uh, to create alignment, you know, we think you need incredible transparency, visibility, and collaboration. And so by putting this work into a medium like Slack and organizing around accounts and prospects, what you're really doing is democratizing information in a much more meaningful way. And by doing that, you're going to also drive better alignment against that vision so you can drive better outcomes for the company and your customers. So many kind of seeming advantages there. I do have to ask, though, not everything is always blue sky and roses. In terms of the challenges that one faces really in integrating an effective system like this, what are the challenges that one must face? I think with every new technology, people inevitably ask a question. I could already do X, Y, and Z, right? Horse and buggy is a great example. When before the car came along, people weren't thinking they need a car. They were easily able to get from point A to point B. It was only until there was this new mode of getting from point A to point B, i.e. the car, that people totally rethink how they should do their lives. And in this case, with transportation. I think the same thing is true with anything, with any new technology. So at work, as we think about shifting from historically email only for external communications and internal communications, now to this more real-time, asynchronous, frictionless collaboration hub, that's in many cases a paradigm shift because it's not only just chat that it's facilitating. It's actually facilitating workflow and business processes. And so when we have conversations with, with customers all the time, you can see their wheels begin to spin when they recognize, wait a minute, this isn't just another place to have conversation. It's a place to actually stand up mission-critical processes in a way that's more delightful and easier for employees. And if they can do that, again, they'll drive better outcomes across the whole company. I do have to ask one final question before we drill down into the sales team and kind of their workings. You mentioned kind of heavy managerial meetings, etc. And I, I speak to a lot of early stage founders who are kind of thinking about direct reports and building out their direct reports. When did you start seeing kind of the direct reports being built out? And where do you think leaders need to really put a lid on it and ensure that they don't have too many? Yeah, when we think about direct reports of hiring in general, it's typically when we, as that hiring manager or in the early days as founders, 
end up spending way too much time on any one given thing. So in this example, when we were spending way too much time selling to the point where somebody could on their own, own relationships. And so that's when we began to think about direct reports, account executives, et cetera. Totally get it. For you though, how many is too many? I think the magic number of direct reports is probably something around eight, give or take. I think any, any more and you're not really effectively working with any one of them and, and any less and you've got extra capacity. No, I totally agree with you. And I think eight's probably absolutely the cap, so to speak. If we do though, drill down a little bit from those direct reports and the leadership into the sales team and their workings within SaaS orgs. In our last chat, you said to me that sales teams are not working together the way we think they are. Now, I've been kind of kicking myself for not asking a follow-up to this since I heard it. So with that in mind, how do you think SaaS leaders think that their sales teams are working? And what's the reality? Yeah, I think most sales or SaaS leaders think they know what's going on with their customers and their sales team, more so than they really do. I was having a conversation earlier this week with one of our customers, and he told me that he was accidentally left off of one email, and it created this sort of whirlwind, haphazard mess with managing the account. And in reality, that happens very, very frequently. The right people are not brought into the right deals at the right time. I remember even years ago, there was another deal I was working on, and the conversation already evolved to kind of the negotiation stage, and that team never even looped in the CEO, which could have been a make or break catalyst for how that deal evolved. And so the point is, there's such a huge opportunity to do more collaboration earlier and upfront with various folks on the team. The other piece is, there's also a huge opportunity to get more folks involved in sales that are not on the sales team. Key product stakeholders, key engineering stakeholders, key folks from operations or the legal team earlier and often, because in doing that, again, you're going to get more points of view, more perspective, and more operational support to help effectively close deals quicker. And today, it doesn't happen as easily because of the mediums by which this is being facilitated. Can I ask a strange question? And kind of, if we think about that two-sided marketplace there in terms of the customers and then the kind of additional team members who could be brought in that maybe aren't traditionally into the sales process. One is, do the customers find it strange speaking to maybe product leaders or maybe technical uh, experts in the domain when they're traditionally speaking to salespeople? And then also, how do you kind of excite the team who aren't used to speaking to customers to now be more customer-facing? I heard a story two weeks ago. One of the fast-growing SaaS companies, their head of sales shared the story with me. And what he told me was they went into a big meeting with a Fortune 100 company, and it was the salesperson and uh, the head of product. And early in the meeting, the salesperson was speaking, but by the end of the meeting, all eyes were on the head of product. And the reason is that technical person that has the technical depth and understanding and is really solution-oriented, that is the person that's truly creating the most value, that can speak to problem solution and how that offering can help help that partner. So I think actually in today's world, customers expect and prefer to speak with people that are much more technically savvy because those are the people that are really doing the work at the end of the day. And so I think this is also a shift. It's also why you see, I think a lot of SaaS companies have these self-serve experiences with easy onboarding, credit cards, you know, you don't need to speak to a salesperson because the expectation today, unlike five, 10 years ago, is you shouldn't have to have this big, heavy enterprise sales conversation with big implementation integration. Instead, you want beautiful, elegant products that just work. And so therefore, you just want to be also speak to somebody that has seen the best use cases for those products can help stand up those use cases for the customer. No, I, I do totally get you there in the rise of self-serve. But if we go back to kind of ensuring synchronization 
synchronicity amongst the team. I do want to ask specifically maybe within the sales function, what can SaaS leaders do to actively ensure that their sales teams be from inbound to outbound to SDRs are working together in unison? What can they do? The first thing they could do is unify the team in a public and social medium like Slack. I'm thinking about one of our partners, for example, is HubSpot. And they had a problem, which was they were generating so many leads. They're arguably one of the best inbound marketers in the world. In fact, so good, their conference is literally called Inbound. So here they were generating all these leads and they were getting pumped into this uh, CRM and those leads were just not being worked. And the reason they weren't being worked is because it was in a clunky system that wasn't very visible or transparent and hard to use. And so what they did is they unified the team and Slack. They brought all of the leads into Slack and as a result, saw about 100% increase in lead work rate simply by putting the work where people were already spending their time. So I think that's step one, just unifying the team publicly in this medium where people are spending their time. I would say the second thing to ensure teams are, are kind of working together is sharing wins and learnings often. So for example, anytime deals are closed and won, or really anytime deals are, are, are lost, it's important that the why behind those wins or losses are shared broadly with the organization, not just with the sales team, but again, with the product team, with the engineering team, so that you can have this continuous learning culture to improve and double down on the things that are working and fix the things that are not. And then kind of related, I would say the third thing is just ensuring that the right KPIs are seen by the whole organization. So whatever those leading indicators are for your team, whether it's number of sales activities or number of user signups, you want to make sure that the whole team is seeing that in real time frequently to really act as the heartbeat of the organization. Now, this is a very unfair question, but I'm too intrigued not to ask it from a leadership perspective here. You mentioned maybe sharing why you maybe didn't win a deal. Culture and morale is always front and center for you as the leader. How do you think about, although the benefits of sharing the learnings of why maybe you didn't win a deal, how do you think about maybe the damage to morale for the team at not winning a deal? Is that a thought for you? And how do you think about the balance between morale versus optimizing learning? It's definitely a thought, but I think the risk of not sharing the losses and having the brutally hard conversations is far, far greater a risk. For example, if you think about companies like Sears, right? once upon a time, there were a bunch of executives that totally didn't believe or acknowledge that this thing called the internet was coming along. And so they didn't want to have the hard conversations. And by not having the hard conversations and identifying and speaking honestly about problems, you can never fix those problems. And if you can't fix those problems, you end up in the case of Sears, nearly going out of business. So for troops, we have a value of radical transparency. We need to be able to look at the problems head on and be able to have those conversations as a team so that we can fix them. And that's it. We just continuously try to identify the problems, what's working, what's not. And if it's not working, just work to fix them. And so by standing it up and making that information available in real time across the whole organization holds us all accountable to what's happening in those painful truths when we lose deals so we can fix them. I am sorry. I am probably drilling unnecessarily here, but I am too interested. When one is thinking about those meetings, sharing those learnings, it could be win or loss now. Do you think about kind of incorporating that into current all hands meeting structures that you have? Or do you think about adding a new team meeting where you specifically discuss that core win or loss? The way we do it at Troops is we have that information flowing in real time to the team 
as it happens so that in the event there's a case that we can help fix or save a deal we want to or in the event there's a something we learned to win something we learned about a win that we think the rest of our customers would benefit from uh, sooner and later we, we want to react quickly at the same time we do every monday an all team hands-on meeting and we'll share the aggregate wins and losses from the previous week just to add a bookend or bookend beginning for that week just so we could summarize what's happening totally no that makes sense and uh, i'm sorry for, for drilling there so much but i was intrigued by the structure but before we move into the quick fire round dan the final element to touch on is kind of we spoke about in the case of synchronicity amongst teams the most common problem that founders face is the element of silos usually they're considered the enemy obviously in scaling orgs and i've heard you say before that under the umbrella of account-based collaboration even more so so on that and starting with an element of maybe causation or warning how does one often see silos being created within more orgs and what are those kind of leading indicators that should really mark the red flags for leaders that something silo-like is coming yeah the thing with the silos is they're silos right you can't see what's happening easily in that part of the organization and so the good news is these are solvable issues i think silos can be easily broken largely due to kind of those mediums and the tools that we're using so red flags unfortunately i think often they're sometimes a little bit too late when there are issues you know maybe an extreme example would be quite literally the product and engineering team work on a product that the sales team cannot sell or customers will not find valuable so why might that happen well it could be because the product and engineering team live in a vacuum and they're not listening to real-time customer feedback but they're not engaged with what's really happening on the front line as an extreme example so we think that by organizing teams in a collaborative medium will break these silos down slack being a great example and if you do that for accounts and customers and prospects you'll win so we call it account-based collaboration the way we think about it is it's really a systematic approach to building and leveraging a strategic deal support team like your product team or engineering team in that medium so you could win more deals shorten sales cycles and increase deal sizes and so unlike traditional selling where sellers operate in a silo feedback is delayed and inconsistent and team selling is haphazard and so again by bringing into this collaborative medium you're really addressing those issues and breaking down those silos no i i absolutely agree with you in terms of breaking down those silos one thing that i maybe struggle with and i should probably not say this live is the element of focus and concentration when we have access to such real-time information and data from the team how do you think about retaining focus and concentration within teams with this sudden influx of data coming in and is there any advice that you'd have absolutely i think in today's world noise is a real thing no matter what topic whether it's tools that you use at work or how you work or even in your own personal life with social media so noise generally is an issue i would say across the board the good news is at work there's generally somebody that is responsible for standing up these processes and determining the right noise to signal ratio so i think the short answer is is it all depends right so if there is a mission critical update like the world is ending for one of our best customers i probably want to know that in real time as soon as possible but maybe if there's another set of kpis like pipeline or forecast for the week i probably don't need to see that every single day in real time i could see that once a week at the same time what i do want access to is a historical view and lens into everything that's happening on some of my customer conversations so again that's why this concept for us account-based collaboration is so important if i want to know what's happening with the ibm deal or the coca-cola deal i shouldn't have to chase down individuals to see what's happening what i should be able to do is go to one central location and in seconds get access to the full history and 
and conversation and narrative of what's happening and why. And in doing that, I'm going to just be smarter and we'll be able to drive better outcomes for the organization. Yeah, no, I couldn't agree with you more there in terms of visibility and what maybe you should and then shouldn't need to see quite so much in real time. I, I do want to move into my favorite element though, Dan, being the quick fire round. So I say a short statement and as you know, you have 60 seconds before I bang the hammer, so to speak. Are you ready to roll? Yeah, let's do it. So what's the biggest challenge for most SaaS founders? Prioritization. I think when you're early stage, especially as a founder, there's a million and one things that you need to do and you can't do all of them. You especially can't do all of them well. So I think prioritization is key and I think good prioritization requires good information and support from your team. So ruthlessly prioritizing, I think, is probably the most important. The biggest question I get really from SaaS founders is how much should a SaaS startup invest in sales and marketing? I think it depends on the business. Again, take Slack as an example. They hit some pretty impressive revenue targets with absolutely no sales team in the early days of the business. They're shifting that now. So I think it depends on the product, whereas some other organizations out of the gate require highly consultative sales and conversation with the prospective buyer. So it depends. When is the right time for SaaS startups to train their salespeople? Oh, early and often. I think your organization is only as good as the people you have. And so you need to constantly and immediately be investing in their success personally and professionally because look, the better they are and happier they are, the better your organization will be. So uh, early and often. I'm throwing one in here, but I'm too intrigued not to ask it. Who should be responsible for upsells? Should it be customer success or should it be AEs? You know, we've seen it both ways. I remember hearing a story where we had an account executive that had 200 accounts and we went to them and said, you no longer have 200 accounts, you have one. And the thinking there was instead of doing drive-by sales and flipping them over to account executives or account managers for upsells, we wanted one person to own bigger deals end-to-end. So I think the upsells depend on the size of the organization. No, I think that's a great answer. And then I do want to finish with what do you know now, Dan, that you wish you'd known at the beginning of your time with Troops? I think this is obvious, but I'm continually reminded by this, but having the, the right people with the right attitude, it's the most important thing for the organization. At the end of the day, a company is only made up of those people and the people are only as good as the support they have and the cultural alignment that they have. So nothing new, but continues to be emphasized each and every day. Dan, I can't thank you enough for coming back on. As I said, I so enjoyed the first time and I was so intrigued by the rise of account-based collaboration. So thank you so much for joining me again today. Thanks, Harry. Appreciate it. Absolutely love that discussion with Dan on unifying teams. And if you'd like to see more from him, you can find him on Twitter at Dan Reich. Likewise, it'd be great to welcome you behind the scenes here at Sasta. You can do so on Instagram at hstubbings1996 with two Bs. It really would be great to see you there. But before we leave you today, every week we talk briefly to a WePay customer about how they achieve success. And this time we'll hear from David J, founder at Agree.com. Agree.com provides attorney-approved contracts and payments for businesses and creatives. Smart creatives and businesses use Agree to make their business serve their life, not the other way around. Hi, Harry. Thanks for having me. When I was 16 years old, my dad sat me down and gave me the best advice. He said, build your business around helping other people and you'll always have plenty of work. So the more that we listen to our customers and can feel their pain, the better we're able to understand them empathize with them, and then create solutions that meet their needs. 
could not agree with you more, David, there on the customer centricity and loved hearing that. Focusing on customer needs and solutions is a great way to achieve success for sure. And to find out how to successfully grow payments revenue by over 100% in a year, check out our TeamSnap case study by visiting wepay.com forward slash Harry. That's wepay.com forward slash Harry. And speaking of great products, we are about to hear from the man behind this one, but my mother always told me you can never have too much of a good thing. And so Troops.ai helps teams improve real-time visibility and collaboration around their most important deals by creating real-time intelligent workflow for everything related to their customers and prospects. And they make this happen in Slack, where everyone is spending most of their time so that the entire team can swarm around opportunities. But don't take my word for how great Troops is. Just look at their clients. They're working with the likes of Slack, WeWork, Envision, Flexport, and more. So head over to Troops.ai to find out more. And speaking of great products that make your life and work easier and faster, you must check out Pilot. Pilot is a bookkeeping company that handles everything for you, so you can stop spending your time tracking financial statements and making cash flow spreadsheets. We all know how much I love to do that. When you use Pilot, you get a dedicated account manager who takes care of your books and sends you an accurate, detailed financial report every month. Plus, Pilot does accrual basis bookkeeping and QuickBooks online, so you're never locked into a proprietary platform. Add Pilot to your financial stack and get back to what you do best, running your business. Simply head over to pilot.com forward slash Sasta to learn more. As always, I so appreciate all your support and I cannot wait to bring you another fantastic episode next week.